Welcome to Afrotecture, a weekly podcast by students at the University of California, Los Angeles, that looks at buildings and cities created throughout Africa and thinks about the past, present, and future of the built environment on the continent. Today's episode looks at the Jardin Majorelle in Marrakech, Morocco. From here, I'll leave it to America Perez and Gian Kim. You amble along shady lanes, in the midst of trees and exotic plants of dreamy origin. You walk past refreshing, burbling streams and pools filled with water lilies and lotus flowers. You hear wafting through the air, laden with sugared fragrance, the rustling of leaves, and the chirping of numerous birds. You stop. The path turns unexpectedly, revealing a building with Moorish charm, with a hint of art deco. Painted in astonishingly vibrant primary colors, glowing with an intense blue, you are soothed and enchanted by the harmony of this luxuriant and vivid imagery, which issues a delicate summons to the senses, offering a calming retreat near and yet so far from the bustling city. The Jardin Majorelle in Marrakech is one of the most visited sites in Morocco. Over 800,000 people visit a year. And in a city whose economy depends on tourism, its status as one of the main attractions makes it incredibly valuable. But we will discover that even paradise has its plagues as we look into the origins of this mystical garden and its unfortunate ties to French colonization and Orientalism. Hello, my name is America Perez. And my name is Gian Kim. Let's dive right into the history of the Jardin Majorelle. In 1917, Jacques Majorelle traveled to Morocco, a French proctorate at the time, and lived in Marrakech for the rest of his life. He was said to be enticed by the city's vibrant life and colors. Majorelle painted in the style of oriental painting. His paintings often showed simplistic depictions of Africa and the local inhabitants. Majorelle's subjects often included black nudists and Moroccan villagers and traders. In 1931, Majorelle commissioned Paul Signois with the task of designing what is now the cobalt blue Jardin Majorelle in Marrakech. The Cubist building was surrounded with his botany and decorations, which the painter tended to until 1961. Shortly after the construction, Majorelle trademarked the cobalt blue color he used for the building and some of his paintings as Majorelle blue. It's hard to understand the significance of the color blue in the garden until you actually take a look at the complex. The cobalt blue is striking, and every aspect of the garden complements it. As it was traded majorelle blue, it seems like it was a novel invention by the painter. However, there are conflicting narratives on where he got the color from. One story goes that the painter perceived the color from the magnificence of the Atlas Mountains, but this is highly doubtful due to the lack of evidence one is that he took it from Shefshawan, a city dressed in all blue that sits in North Morocco. Another is that he took inspiration from the evil eye used in Arabic traditions to ward off evil spirits. The last one is that the blue was taken from groups in the Sahara's Tuareg people who use it to dye their clothes. Whatever the origin story may be, the trademarking of the color presents problems relating to the Orientalist movement. Okay, so let's talk about Orientalism. Orientalism is a post-colonial theory started by Edward Said, in which he describes the motif 
in modern art movements where mostly European Western artists started to represent and depict people of what they called the Orient. We know as Asia and North Africa and the Middle East, these depictions often stereotyped, misrepresented, and had ties to Eurocentricism and blatant racism. Said even goes as far as labeling it as a specific powerful political instrument in the domination that is required by colonialism because it furthers these misrepresentations and stereotypes. That's interesting because Majorel was a Orientalist painter and he would often depict his subjects in a simplistic way to depict them as primitive. And this ties into his claim over the color blue. Orientalism is based on the theory that they, quote-unquote the Orient, are in serious need of being represented by Westerners since the Orients are incapable of representing themselves. He's perpetuating this theory by saying, no, this color blue that may have existed, I'm going to come in and claim it and use it as my own. So we see that Orientalism has direct ties with colonialism. And this relates back to the Jardin Majorelle. As Morocco and Marrakesh were colonized by the French, and here we see a French Orientalist painter coming in and building this cultural landmark. Yeah, and Majorelle actually grew up and worked in a time period known as the Scramble for Africa. This scramble was when European powers were trying to heavily colonize and divide the continent, with the exception of about two countries. So even though he wasn't directly involved in colonizing Morocco, through his art and his building, he contributed to it. So Paul Sinois was also a French architect, and the use of the color blue we've already talked about, but what's interesting is how he appropriates the style of the Moroccans. So it's built in a cubist form, but it also takes cues from the Moorish architecture that's around in Morocco. So the French's method of colonization was assimilation, and what they would do is essentially blend building styles of the French and the culture that they were colonizing. This also happened in Vietnam, and it's happening here now. So it's being used as a tool for colonization and appropriation as well. All right, so speaking of Orientalism, Orientalism actually is deeply tied to the Jardin Majorelle through another art form, that being fashion. In 1966, Yves Saint Laurent and his lifelong partner, Paul Berge, discovered the garden and fell madly in love with it. By 1980, they had purchased it, saving it from a hotel development plan and had restored it. From then on, Saint Laurent and Burge spent every December and June in the Jardin. Saint Laurent credits Marrakesh and the Jardin with inspiring many of his designs as he spent his time there sketching and designing his collections. He was inspired particularly by the colors and the Beber culture's aesthetics. So, America, what are the issues at hand in terms of Orientalism, fashion, and Yves Saint Laurent as they relate to the Jardin Majorelle. Okay, so there's a few things that are at play here. First, if we're going to consider fashion art, Orientalism in the way that Edward Said depicts it is also prevalent here. 
It also incorporates issues of appropriation, more commonly associated with fashion, and also with class. Some examples of the aesthetics that were inspired by the Marrakesh Beber cultures are seen in bright colors, caftans, fold prints, bra tops, and the problematically monikered harem pants. These furthering representations and stereotypes around Middle and Near Eastern culture, in particular the gender roles and sexuality surrounding them. Stereotypical imagery depicting deserts, harems, and genies like this were not only prevalent in the Orientalist paintings of French artists in the 19th century, but also in the Hollywood and media representations of the Middle East and Near East at this time as well, in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, from movies like The Queen of Babylon to TV shows like I Dream of Genie. Further problem lies in that they were made for Western consumption by Westerners. This takes the narrative of the Middle and Near Eastern people out of those people's control. Adopting their aesthetic signs merely for their aesthetic values without understanding their culture, and especially without understanding their history of resistance and the struggles that they've gone through in order to have that culture remain, is deeply troubling. Especially when considering that Saint Laurent was French and Morocco was colonized by the French. This speaks to the hot button issue, more specifically relating to fashion, which is cultural appropriation. This question of who has the right to wear cultural signs that do not belong to them, especially if there is a long history of balanced power dynamics, discrimination, domination, inequality, and racism. Cultural exchange has been happening since the dawn of human creation, but it becomes complicated when it is inequitable and when there is colonial history there. Not only is a French designer profiting off of Moroccan aesthetics, they are also inaccessible to the Moroccans. These designs were all displayed on Parisian runways and at an incredibly high cost. It was for the elite, the wealthy French elite, a way to boast their worldliness, or perhaps their conquests. Saint Laurent did not design with and for the Moroccan peoples as much as he did from them, a pattern all too familiar for the Moroccan people and their French colonizers. And there are, of course, contrary opinions to this. It should be noted that Moroccan people were probably just as allured by French high fashion as everyone else in the world. As we researched this, we found mention of many other patterns of cultural appropriation by YSL, but most seemed to do so with the justification that he genuinely loved these cultures, so it was a compliment. And while I'm sure many people feel this way, Post-colonial scholarship tells us that there is much more happening here, and much more at stake. Perhaps better patterns of this appreciation would be allowing designers and artists of those cultures to represent themselves. On October 19, 2017, the Musée Yves Saint Laurent Marrakesh opened its doors in the Jardin Majorel, in a building designed by Studio K.O also a French architecture firm. And while it is exciting and important to have a museum of Saint Laurent's designs, it also says a lot that this is one of the most visited and tourist-driving places in Morocco. Jardin. Creative director Stephen Dorenza even states that the museum is the largest cultural project happening in Morocco. The largest cultural project happening in Morocco being a French one certainly demonstrates some colonial strongholds even after Morocco's independence.
Look, we're not saying that the Jardin Majorelle isn't a beautiful and fantastic place and should not be a cultural landmark. What we're simply trying to shed light on is the fact that this place has a deeper history, one rooted in colonialism and Orientalism in modern art, and that there should be some kind of acknowledgement of that, and that has been difficult to find. All the narratives are set by Yves Saint Laurent, so we just wanted to put out a different perspective on a beautiful building. Today's episode was created in fall of 2019 by America Perez and Gian Kim. Our theme song is by Rebecca Taylor. Special thanks to Tom Garbalotti and Andrew Jessup at UCLA Humanities Technology, or HumTech. If you'd like to let us know your thoughts, you can find us on Instagram or Twitter at AfriTexturePod. That's A-F-R-I-T-E-C-H-T-U-R-E-P-O-D with no spaces. I'm Lauren Taylor. We'll see you next week.